0: I didn't ever tell you guys this shit I when I was working in the restaurant like after college and um, we had this owner manager he was a really cool guy but you know he was in his 60s but just dressed sharp he was cool and he was always talking shit and then like, one day one of the waitresses was like hey man his name was Dale say like, Dale boxers are brief and he's like, Depends. And she's like, you wear Depends? Oh, my God. How old
2: are you? <laughs>
3: that
2: is a very great circumstantial. <laughs> it was, it
0: was so amazing. It was like Depends.
2: Crushing. Oh, my goodness. That's so um, be- <laughs> Speaking of people in their 60s. <laughs>
0: Speaking of Depends. Speaking Speaking of Depends. This is going to be the latest Beatles
2: commercial. <laughs> Paul and Ringo are now When you're
0: 64
2: <laughs> uh, this, this, our 50th song that we have covered on this podcast Pod gave rock and roll to you Is our first Beatles tune Jonathan, you have a new segment for the pod Tell us about it
0: Well, there's lots of folks always writing us, Asking questions about various parts of the pod And how we do things And why we are the way we are And you know we figure we would just put it in a big bag and call it the ask hole mm, so I we like can just it. reach in you know and just fucking pull
2: a we, pull we, a question we, out of the ask hole so every week we can dig into the ask hole and and it's and ask some questions it's there for the taking <laughs> and answer, answer some questions.
3: Jonathan when you reached in did you find a question that intrigued your interest <laughs> yeah
0: all is fucking fair in the asshole, right? <laughs> all is fair. Um, yeah. So should we should we go into the asshole? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Let, let's let's what do we got? find a what question
2: from the hole. Um, All right. Let me see here. I mean, yeah. hold on. Let's dig into the
0: asshole. <laughs> let, let, let me dig into the asshole here. Um, pretty deep. Give me one second. Um, so the first question from the asshole comes from a Brian C. From Lake Charles, Indiana. And the uh, first question is Oh, it's a Jonathan. Why are you, such, or why is Jonathan such an asshole? Is actually, oh, is Ooh, the that's, question. A wow. question. that's a good wow. question. I don't think that's an unfair question. You know, if I'm open minded. Poignant, um, poignant. <laughs> topical. Um, <laughs> very poignant. <laughs> and basically, I would say that it's like, you know, I, I listen to lots of music, I love music, and I'm very opinionated on, on what I do, I don't like. Um, I feel like as a musician, um, as a guy who has to think about songwriting and, and arrangements and stuff, I have to just decide what I do and don't like. And in doing so, I realize it can be the kind of thing that it's not necessarily enjoyable for folks who are listening to music, you know, more casually or just more to have fun and chillax. For me, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a job because that sounds like I don't want to do it, but I just dig it so much that I'm criticizing kind of the way a director may, you know, always be thinking about films if he's watching a film. And when I see what I do or don't like, I'm just very forthright, and I could see how if someone likes something uh, and I don't, it could come across as dickish, cocksuckerish, as I've heard. Um, <laughs> but really, it's not intended uh, to be that way. It's just me trying to clarify in my mind, you know, things I do and don't like. But I, 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 so that's why I'm an asshole.
2: Okay. Okay. I think that's a fair answer. Well, Jonathan,
3: I, uh, I hate some of your takes, but I respect them. And I realize that I'm, I'm kind of a yes man. I, I like. I generally like most things, but uh, but I respect your level of critique on some songs. You know, as long
0: as you can respect me afterwards, Neil. That's all I.
3: <laughs> well, I respect you beforehand, yeah. after Johnny?
0: but not during Such this is, is such a is Just, such don't, a sweet don't well I'm drinking brosé. So. Do not respect me, Deering.
2: <laughs> it's such a great place to get to on this our fiftieth episode. Yes. Now, I, yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Just go knuckle deep into the asshole. Which knuckle? Um, the, the third. <laughs> knuckle. <laughs> the, the pinky knuckle.
0: From the top or from the <laughs>
2: <laughs> from from the top? I'm going. I'm going third knuckle. Take it uh, from the top. <laughs> uh, this question is from Andy J. living on Lumi Island up in uh, British Columbia. Uh, shout out to Andy J. Andy says, uh, Neil, what? Is your favorite episode that you've done so far?
3: I, I like a lot of them, but I must say I think uh, seasons, um, be, just because it, it was kind of the first one where we all were like, "Wow, we we had no idea that that was going to be so fun." You know, it was it was it was a random pick. We all loved that song, and uh, it just turned out to be good. And it just goes to show, like, it's not about you know these epic songs like that we choose that. The inspiration can come from anywhere.
2: Absolutely. Well, that's a good question for all of us, I guess. Jonathan, what what, what would you say sticks out? Um,
0: I enjoyed the Gibbard and uh, Amy Mann. Um,
2: Bigger Than that song?
0: Love? Yeah, Bigger Than Love. I enjoyed that one. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the riffing. I, I just always enjoy my favorite thing and really the reason why I, I do the podcast and really exist at all, I think, is um just to make you two chuckle. And so uh, anytime <laughs> we can have a good time and make any of you guys laugh. I feel like my, my, my work's been done that day.
2: No, like I dig it. I dig it. So I'm going to have a different answer. My favorite episodes are always one where one of us is is a little uh, a little <laughs> too sloppy to really. Do you be have to be more it. specific? Now, well, my favorite episode is probably that, that I look back on. I was pretty gone in the Silver Springs episode, <laughs> um, which was I had to heavily edit myself out. The uh, Neil in um, right down the line. Right down the line. You don't have to remind basically. me.
3: <laughs> and I love that it's creeping up the charts. It's
2: it's gonna be number one soon. I'm
3: like, of course, the one that I was fucking hammered.
2: <laughs> it's basically it's basically me and Jonathan and just whatever I could use of you. Well, in we that and, episode. And we it, did two takes. We we tipped, we did two that night. That's right. And then Jonathan, John, there was one where you may have been a little under. Well, I can't remember what it was though. Oh, it was Pancho and Lefty. Yeah, I mean, with a tune like that, how do you not get shit Um <laughs> I mean, But my favorite Switch. is an unreleased episode that we did right at the beginning—a Jimi Hendrix burning into the midnight lamp. I was so drunk and slurring everything I said, we could not release it. So well, yeah, and, we and you had Jim, you had there. Jimmy hot takes, but they didn't come out right because you were too well, drunk. We'll we'll, we'll we'll save that for the for the Jimmy episode—the Jimmy um, hot takes. Ne- Neil, do you wanna dig in do you wanna uh dive into the ass hole and find no, a nugget? Well,
3: um well, I don't have an asshole, I have a quote hole. <laughs> um okay. really no, hanging out with that, uh, my buddy Jody this past weekend back in Maryland who um helped do the cover for Trenchtown Rock. Um we just in passing conversation we we're hanging out and we we're talking about Tuesday and he's like, Speaking of Tuesdays, Pod Gave Rock. <laughs>
2: it's like nice segue, bro. I I, on, I only let Pod give me rock on Tuesdays. That's that should. It's not what, what I, I, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> now, do we have any more? Oh, I found another question in the asshole.
0: <laughs> nice. It was ask hole adjacent. <laughs> and it slipped out of the asshole. No, ask no, hole.
2: he just he breached deep. He went deep. <laughs> I, no, I went I went I went wrist deep into the ask hole for this one. Um, and this one is for Neil as well, Neil. What beetle are you? No, oh, wait, wait. This is from <laughs> Miles M. in North Hollywood. <laughs> I'm definitely Paul. And I'm definitely Paul. All day. I, I guess I'll ask you
3: as well, Jonathan.
0: Um. Yeah, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm Sam George. Okay. I
2: I guess that makes yep. me John. You are John, so for sure. I would say you're John. Yeah, yeah. Know.
0: In truth, uh, we're three Ringo's is really the truth of the matter. <laughs> three Ringo's. we <Or>, us.
2: Uh, <laughs>
1: I would the say three, it's more like we three, three gringos. Get it? <laughs> three gringos.
2: And, and from these three gringos, on that note, you are listening to Podgate Rock and Roll to you. And this week, we are discussing A Day in the Life by the Beatles from their 1967 album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So that's a mouthful. Uh, it is a Lennon McCartney song, and it's produced by George Martin.
3: I remember hearing this song pretty early and being blown away. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was different. You know, I was too young to know, like, the gravity of this song. And I think it's more of a feat of just kind of sound creativity and production, you know, as opposed to a traditional song. There's so many Beatles songs that are just... Beautiful melodies, but this is just really the Beatles kind of just swinging for the fences and fucking knocking it out of the park. They really went for it here, like just the way it it ends this consequential album. Another thing I love about it is um, Lennon. He wrote it uh, most of it, and just the emotion you can hear in his kind of delivery and all the lyrics, even though he's just kind of reading from a paper. But still you hear so much sadness and like when he comes in at the end, he sounds kind of more optimistic. Like there's just in the kind of nuance of what he's saying, there's so much going on there, you know, and he kind of takes something so mundane and makes it kind of unforgettable.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think you could you could definitely argue that this being the last track on Sgt. Peppers is kind of the pinnacle of the Beatles to creativity together. Yeah. Um, like, this song, for me, I, I don't remember when the first time I, I heard it was, but it definitely entered my consciousness in high school. It's a very personal song to me as I as I get older because I can look back on a time. The first time I remember hearing the song really was, and I, I know I'd already heard it, but, I was I was sitting at my mom's house, and it was like I don't know sixteen seventeen. I was not happy with my life and the people in it at the time. And for some reason, I w- I was there by myself, and there was a record. I don't even know what record it would have been on because she didn't own Sgt. Pepper's. But there was a record on, and this this was playing. It could have been the radio actually, and. I was legit sitting in my mom's living room with her 38 and just holding it, thinking, I don't know how seriously at the time about kind of saying, fuck it. Hopefully and all this, you've
0: none gone gun folks out there. 38 is a gun.
2: <laughs> it's a handgun. That um, don't think they would
0: a gun. They, they Okay. He's there with the 38. And it's like, no, it's a gun. He's got a gun. People.
2: It's like the band 38 special. Um, Pretty good band. <laughs> <laughs> but in gun form, um, but this tomb came on and it, it it almost woke me up in a, in a certain way. Like it, it it immediately brought me into back into reality. Even though the the song is is <laughs> very dreamlike Surrealist. for the for the majority of it. Yeah, I mean when I usually associate this song, I it, it it's just like a reflection on the mundane daily life and. The acts that that kind of make up every day in people's life, and you know, you really saying
0: this thing is like a day in people's lives. Did you really say that about it? That's exactly
2: what I'm saying. But and and I might be projecting here a little bit, but there is a contrast between the lyric that you know is kind of talking about all these random, regular, daily kind of off a newspaper things, and the dark places that people find humor and other people's lives and stuff like that. And you can contrast that with the music and the production that take you through like life through like a kaleidoscope almost, mm-hmm. you know I mean? It's like adding color and fucking with the picture. And it, it, there's a certain sense that I get when I hear this song that like, it's like an opera, there's opportunities outside of this mundane Daily existence You know that exists in Mississippi (laughs) Exactly This song is just A a feat And you know Hey And for me It It saved me At a certain point In my life So I mean This is one of those songs That like for me Musically It literally Affected me
0: I mean first of all The Beatles are Fundamentally Unassailable Right I mean just You can't Say shit on Shakespeare Or something Like you're wrong Right I mean You just can't (laughs) <laughs> that being said We also We can't have opinions Right I mean This shit It was just so revolutionary Technologically All that stuff That stuff Fine But This song Has everything I do And don't like about the Beatles In it Interesting And The things I do like I love the Beatles melodies I love Beatles Sense of Adventures I don't love Beatles lyrics oftentimes. I don't love Their perspectives I don't I don't really The closest one I would resonate with Would be Harrison Paul's too cutesy and John's too pissed off. But that being said, the lyrics I think eh, whatever. But it's super melody driven. It's very uh, creative to me. This song does feel like, and maybe one of you guys you know went through the process of how it was written. But this feels like I don't know three or four different random things that were put together that were all very strong. Um, but it almost doesn't almost doesn't feel like song. It almost feels like the way Abbey Road they did Abbey Road. I mean, it's not. It's like mini Abbey Road. Um, And so once again, you can't, you can't hate on any any of these things. You can't criticize them, but it's not like another way to say it with this song. If it never came on again, I would be fine. But every time it comes on, I'm happy to hear it, but I I don't hold it. it, it, I admire, respect, whatever, but there, there's a lot. I'm there again. I'm a rhythm guy. I'm a brevity. I'm a have as little as you can get by with and they throw everything in the kitchen sink and that's cool and there's a lot of cool stuff Sgt. peppers in general that i'm not i'm not crazy about that album like i don't like that stuff on there the beatles stuff <laughs> i like <laughs> is the early stuff and the late stuff uh, you know whatever it is what it is i feel like their lyrics are always vague and the melodies are so good you assign meaning to them really deep meaning because that's the power of it. The, the beatles have the best melodies it's everything i love and don't love about the beatles all in one song
2: well, just a real quick aside. I mean, it obviously, not obviously, but like Lennon McCartney wrote the song, and okay. and basically Lennon had the melody and the verses. The, but what, like, I want to know when them. he's singing, and McCartney had that little part, and then they just kind of.
1: But you they know, don't the feel kind of.
0: musically. They don't feel of the yeah. same song. I well, mean, they, it's cool the way they do it, but you know what I'm saying? It doesn't sound like a verse and a chorus. It's just parts no, that sound
2: cool together. It's not.
3: And it's, it's not traditional, the whole song. I think it is just a beautiful collaboration of just them at their peak, using their creativity, all their power of production, George Martin. It was just really oh, just yeah, such totally a cool. um, swell. And I think what we've been talking about, we haven't really t- touched on McCartney's part because it does feel like a different song. It feels like the most Beatles part of the whole song. It's It's got that, that melody. It it, 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 of, it, yeah. it moves. Yeah. But back to John's part, and, you know, he, he kind of created this song, and I think it's just amazing that he was able to just have that idea to take the new, what he saw in the newspaper and kind of just create this beautiful picture of a day in the life. And I almost think in a way, like, Josh, to what you're saying, like, I think that's what he was trying to do, not save you specifically, but point out how fragile life is, you know, you listen to it and, and you feel so bad for this guy who blew his mind out in the car. And you, and it just makes you realize that any day you could miss a light and fucking blow your mind out. And like people are, you know, and someone's going to be reading a paper and fucking laugh about it, drink their coffee and move on.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the, the whole notion of you think about somebody who, I guess at that point, you know, the Beatles were at the pinnacle of their fame. So really it, John Lennon's probably only interaction with the mundane day-to-day life outside of his own is reading the paper. It's not like he was having much interaction with anybody yeah. that wasn't the he Beatles was just, or somebody was who isolated. you know was famous. Yeah. Or so that, that, like you said, I mean, that's super impressive that he could basically read a paper and do that. Now, you know, it's funny, Jonathan. You talked about the melody. I don't even think the melody is that great in this song. You could say literally
3: any words with these melodies. Well, the structure. I think the chords are. Great. Are you shitting no. me? Boot da 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 boo, da. da 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 da. It's, da, da, man, it's no, so hummable. I, it gets stuck in your head. It's everything a
2: melody does. I, I, but again, I, I just in terms of Beatles melodies, I don't think it's like a upper echelon melody for them. I think it's more but they about
0: the. Are the best melody. I'm saying even it's like sure it's not sure. A, oh, it's not the most expensive but what, Bentley, but, but it's this a song Bentley.
2: this song for me is more about the vibe that they create with the production. Is, is something that I, I can't imagine anyone had really ever heard before the song. No, they hadn't. And, and so, for me, the melody is kind of like... I, I am more attracted to how he sings certain words mm-hmm. and how he says certain things. Uh, I mean, obviously, like... Is the, that the, the melody? The, um, well, not the, necessarily. You like, can you give me examples example the of something inflection? he says and how he likes it? Well, like, when he does... Um, I saw the photograph. And he says laugh kind of in a similar way where he just And he says, Lancashire. I mean, like, just the way he says certain things in the songs that, are boop, just.
0: Yeah. Boop, ba, ba, da, ba, da. But that's the melody. That is, you have well, to play those parts. Yeah, but he
2: could have just said, like, Lancashire. I mean, like, and it, that's still the same melody. But the way he's using his his vocal oh, is, the, the, is
0: the vocal, you like the vocal performance, John Lennon's vocal performance?
2: Yeah. And uh, I like that more. I think that makes the melody better. Yeah. Because he sounds so good.
3: One of the best parts of the song that really ties it together is just the oh boy part. Just a, it's conversational, but it's. It's also a cool melodic part and just a something that ties everything
2: together. But again, I think most of the emotion is coming from the production like I when the way even the way he sings though, it's so cool because he, it's almost like he is just reading the paper. You know, like he's not really doing that much with whatever he's singing. Uh, you know, it's it's like he's singing about somewhat Banal things, and in the last verse, it's it's. I mean, it's it's basically gibberish. You know, the holes that fill the Albert Hall, like I mean, th- none of that stuff makes any sense. That's but my like point about the
0: Beatles lyrics, go ahead.
3: Well, well, what you just the said Albert is gibberish.
0: And the I said Albert it's... Hall
3: thing was, yeah, I, I have no idea what that means. But the the four thousand holes in Blackburn, Lancashire, was definitely again straight from the paper. They were counting potholes. But my my big picture is this: their melodies are so good, and I'd always heard. I don't know if it's true that like with
0: Dig a Pony. Lennon was like if the melody is good you can just say any words and that they just said
3: I dig a pony that just to
0: do it because
3: and that wouldn't
0: surprise me if that's the case because
3: I think it's true You can you can if you if you sing if it like you mean it if your and your melody that, is good
0: enough and but you and know, he said, he, they said so, they kind of
3: taught they they taught pop music that you could do that
0: but my point is the recurring thing is the melodies are so good that they 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 have such emotion to them that you then you do find meaning, in it, and that's all any art is. There's no inherent meaning. It's just sure, and it's so it makes you interpret it because it is. Prof- I mean, there's a profundity to it. I guess you would say.
2: You know, they always said. I don't know how much of this was an act. This was a drug album. This is a drug song. I'd love to turn you on. Is like, you know, it was banned by the BBC in '67 because of that line. Going back to just the, the melodic thing, I just think the lyric them it itself is more something to. That it's almost carried on this bed of production through this trip. I mean, I think this song is supposed to be basically a trip, mm-hmm. you know, and and it kind of plays out that way to where you get to the final words. It, it's like gibberish, it's like you're in a different, you know, at first it's reading the paper or going to see a movie and then seeing it's something on the street. Right. And then... You know, all of a sudden there's this interlude that seems more based in reality than anything before, with, you know, Paul singing the eight lines, I woke up, got out of bed. I mean, like, just very succinctly, and then boom, you're back in Lennon's world reading the paper. But now he's not reading the paper, he's just talking about some things that don't make any sense, and now he wants to turn you on again, and then boom, more subconscious than anything.
0: Yeah, we are talking ourselves into a fucking mess here.
3: Well, yeah, and I think it's about time to acknowledge the uh, McCartney's middle eight. It definitely makes this song what it is. Like, I, I think if it was just Lennon without the orchestra, the production, if it was, ju- it would, it would be another good Lennon song, but not what it is today, you know. And and what it means as far as just music in general. That literally is a day in Paul's life when he was young, you know. It it's so different. But also, somehow, they, they, they made it work. I mean, they made it work with, like, a 40-piece orchestra in between each well, one.
2: But... Well, it's funny. It's about a day in his young life, like, waking up yeah. and going, to, like, late for the bus and stuff. I, every time I've heard this throughout my life, I'm just like, oh, this is just some, some, some dude who's, like, working some menial job. Yeah, yeah, And, like, just his same morning over and over and over again. I, I always could thought of it as, like, a, almost a loop. It's like yeah, you know, you yeah. kind of uh, the orchestra interlude, which we keep referring to those, but those are glissandos or glissandos, which is basically one of those is right. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna go. Which one do you think, glissando or glissando? Ando. Um, um, I'm gonna abstain on this vote. <laughs> you're an Ando, or you team Ando, Johnny? I'm Ando Calrissian. Um But uh... <laughs> so the glissando is basically just a glide from one pitch to another.
3: Yeah and just the way like even the end of little uh the mccartney's uh, little part just the way he goes into a dream and it, he just projects you back into this madness it's it's almost like the rest of it's a trip but like the mccartney part is kind of just a little more grounded which is a different life
2: it, it, and they kind of flip it on you because it's almost like the grounded part is the dream is the dream but and the rest of it's reality you know cuz it's just kind yeah. of surrounding it. Right? Because yeah. a dream usually yeah, has. Because you go to sleep, you dream, you wake up, you have
1: your day. Woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a comb across my head, found the way downstairs and drank
0: a cup. Well, my roommates had a refrigerator magnet. There's a quote, I can't remember who said it, but it was We do not remember days, we remember moments. Yeah, sure. And so. Think, yeah. And so. And I've always, I've always said that with, with songs, with the melody or the music, be it a riff or melody or whatever, is the feeling, the sentiment, and the words are the thoughts that then accompany that, okay? So what I'm seeing here is this guy who's sitting there like seeing shit he's always seen, except for this one dramatic event, but he's having different perspectives on the matter, and what he's actually looking at is totally coincidental, it's his change in perspective, and that's what the melody signifies. I think McCartney's a different character because it's a day in the life. They're two different yes. guys, right, in two different in different parts of the town, and McCartney would definitely approach his day differently than Lennon would. But I think Absolutely. when you think of it that way, as this is the his understanding and, and his because sometimes you're sitting in a very mundane place and having very big realizations that, and it changes your view, and that's what the melody does, and. To your point, Josh, uh, the the production plays a large role in that. Uh, it, you can't have this transformative events without the production arrangements of probably George Martin.
2: When they did the recording, they just for some random reason said, hey, leave 24 empty bars mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. there there's before a, the thing. Yeah, they yeah, didn't know rec- what they wanted to do.
3: There's a version of that um, on like one of the anthologies where it's just it's an early take where that's all just blank. <laughs> That's funny. Right. Have you guys seen *Hail Caesar*? Did you see that movie that Coen Brothers? well yeah. oh,
0: they're shooting that Plenty. old like, like Roman F, uh, Jesus epic. And at one point, it's like divine presence to be filmed is one of the like slaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of yeah, like what yeah. the Beatles put in the middle, like a divine middle eight to be written.
2: Right? Yeah. Well, the middle eight was already there, but the, the twenty-four oh, bars, you know, which twenty-four bars, twenty-four hours in a day, bro. What are um, you talking about? <laughs> A well, day they, in they the life. A day in the life. They did. It's twenty four oh, bars. 24 bars. Okay, good. Gotcha. Which is twenty four hours. When you say you with that it accent,
0: me. it just sounds like you're saying something that doesn't make any sense. So I assume it doesn't make any sense. Which is. <laughs> I <I'd> love to <laughs> that turn That wasn't you a very like in. a insightful um. uh, accent you put on there. Jeff, <laughs> say it with the British accent, it'll always sound right.
2: My favorite part of the song is when he goes, and I went into a dream. Ah, ooh, the melody. That melody right there. Yeah, I mean, that is. My yes. favorite part of the song. Yeah. It, it's like a transition. It's just both of them doing their thing. and, and Definitely, being, definitely and my amazing. favorite part,
1: too. Same? Uh, yes. And somebody spoke and I went into a dream.
3: And I love it because it was a contemporary of the time, but like it, it sounds so moody blues. You know what I mean? It has huh. that kind of just like... The way they're, the the chorus of the the harmonies. That part is great, but I've heard
0: things that sound kind of like that before. I mean, it's just great
2: melody. It's it's amazing. The moody blues, obviously.
0: My favorite part of the tune is the way it comes in. It like evolves. Uh, It's like the way the day starts. It sounds like Vivaldi, like spring. It's like things just start popping up and it gets a little more active. Lots of cool, and it's not crazy sense, but it's just, okay, play a little guitar here. You play a little more piano, mm-hmm. but now leave the piano because that, that's the thing. If you have a piano player, like a dedicated piano player, they want to play piano through the whole song. And what they what they did here, they were like, "No piano here, but not here," and that gives a very yeah. cool. Oh effect.
2: yeah, well it it does. A, like the very beginning, it goes like loud to quiet. That's what I'm saying. The dynamics
0: are great, and then, then it's so cool. But
2: and then it and then it just like floats. It's like a fanfare linen yeah mm-hmm. well it's really just at the beginning it's just you have a piano you have uh like a, a shaker i guess that mm-hmm. is maraca a maraca uh the bass is fairly prominent in the mix mm-hmm. and then that acoustic strum
0: the way they that bum 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 and then it's like dun it's like it's gonna dun, fade dun, out dun, and then dun, dun, it starts
2: dun, dun. yeah yeah it, it's fantastic
3: I read this story about David Crosby apparently was the first person to hear this yeah. other than the Beatles and George Barton. And he was like super high. I think he said he was outside like wrangling ducks or some bullshit. And they, they brought him in to listen to this. <laughs> um, and this he, he said he couldn't even speak for a couple of minutes after he listened to it. I don't know if that was the drugs or the song, but it was probably a nice combo. Well,
2: you hear the song now. It doesn't really sound dated. No.
1: You know, yeah, so it's like, it
2: still it still sounds like a. I mean, it's it's very similar to Into the Mystic in that I mean, it feels like this was birthed whole. I know you yeah. said, Jonathan, it feels like a bunch of disparate disparate parts, but like, well, that it they does, fashion like, together as a finished product. It's just like it's like vignettes,
3: yeah, yeah, and it doesn't sound dated because you know this song and a lot of the songs we talk about. It almost feels like it could be from the future. It, it really just was such an achievement uh-huh. of. Artistic creativity. Well,
2: and but. I think the other another big thing that was in this that people hadn't heard before. If you listen to this in headphones, it is there is so much stuff. Like it feels like yeah. it is flowing yeah. from left to right. The way they mix it so in the stereo, not, mix, yeah, that's moving around it, in there. It's mm-hmm. moving around, but like Lennon's voice is so so. Like it. Feels like he's floating through your like through your brain when he's singing, and it's it's it's, well, it's like an it's gnarly, bro. This
0: band, this song is a actually a function of society changing and technology. It's bigger than just yeah. the Beatles, yeah, yeah, which is great. It's, it's amazing, right? it All they
3: exactly, that's incredible.
2: But you you needed these guys, who right? Were the oh yeah, they were the, they were the to, guys to, to be the ones to do it, yeah.
3: Right. And and you say four guys, but there was definitely a 40-piece orchestra playing. Sure, but, yeah, but even, even r-
2: then, they even came in, and George Martin was like, look, I'm not going to give you like exactly what to play. I'm going to tell you uh, what note you need to hit at the end of this bar, and you figure out how to get there. And yeah. that's why it sounds so crazy.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just how they they brought in the the whole orchestra and then gave them like all kinds of props and crazy shit to wear like
2: Yeah, and I don't really know why that.
3: Because they're British and it was the 60s I just and, saw the um, news, yeah. like why not? And just the, that whole story. Did you guys know that they they invited like The Stones, um Donovan. They had a whole party for the orchestra like recording session. And there's a new video that was just released a couple years ago of this song that just has clips of that party, basically like well, them running around and talking to Keith and Donovan and, and showing Paul and like this crazy psychedelic outfit, just kind of walking around conducting the orchestra. And that's so another cool.
0: example of how they were such part of a societal change and shift. You know, the reason why they would have thrown a party for the orchestra and that kind of shit, because like an orchestra, it's all like, you're an extension of the composer. Like you don't get to choose any notes at all. And so they're like, you guys just have fun. We're, this is yeah. not stuffy. I'm yeah. not going to yell at you. It's it, it's a tearing down yes. the system. And like even at the Absolutely. BBC, they said when they first started recording, like the engineers were wearing like white lab vests. I mean, they was super hyper technical, yeah. and they just well, worked to tear all that yeah. away.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, we we've mentioned pretty much every part of the song except for which I would say probably the second most memorable thing about the song to me is that final E, e chord that they hit.
3: Yeah, which, it's the most famous chord in which fucking is, which is rock.
2: They, I read three, different things, but like they, they they said either
3: three Steinways and a harmonium.
2: Yeah, so Paul, Ringo, John and this guy Mal uh
0: Zedong? Probably <laughs> Zedong. not. Probably not different guy.
2: Different guy, not not, not, not guy. chair, not the chairman. The guy Mal Evans, so they they oh. basically so Mal Evans was the guy who counted off the 24 empty bars. And then set the alarm clock that goes off at the end to, to signal that it was end. And they were supposed to take that out, but ended up leaving it. Well, that it was fit.
3: before McCartney's part.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so he also played one of the Steinways for that E note, which they did nine takes. And then they overdubbed it three times. So mm-hmm. it sounds like there's 12 pianos hitting it at the same time.
3: That's Yeah, and it's cool that it lasts 40 seconds at least. They say you can hear like the uh, little chair creaking, which you can, um, and like papers ruffling. And that was like the pinnacle of the experimentation. I I think just that, that, that chord really kind of ties the whole thing together. And it's crazy how even at the end, even after that, I can't Never see it. Way, yeah. I
0: mean. And that was meant to like
3: basically to just sit in the groove of a vinyl record player and keep playing. Like it would if you didn't turn it off, it would just keep doing that forever. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't
2: Number know nine. that. That's cool though. Number 9. Number 9. <laughs> well, so musically, when they rehearsed the track, uh, Lennon was on piano, McCartney on Hammond, Harrison on acoustic and Starr on the congas. And then they did four takes of the rhythm track and with Lennon on the acoustic guitar. Yeah. and McCartney to the piano with Harrison playing the maracas. And then they went back in and did the drums and bass later which you can actually tell that they they that yeah that was not done with everything else.
3: But I would love to be I would love to be a fly on the wall when Lennon, because he—it sounds like he wrote this on piano.
2: Absolutely. Um, because Definitely. Because I
3: think that's why he even plays the acoustic the way he does with the upstroke, because mm-hmm. that's kind of like the rhythm yeah. of the piano. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. And I think he even set the paper just on like the the music stand of the piano and just started that, just that, started riffing.
2: That makes sense. I mean, to for me, the the instrumentation in this that stands out the most, uh, just from that lineup of like the the Beatles and what they were doing. Is the drums? It, it, well, it comes in with uh, he blew his mind out in a car. That's when he comes in, and what he's doing is just—it sounds so well, yeah nice. And Ringo even doo, doo, said doo, like doo, he
3: doo. he wasn't even trying to be technical or do it. He was just really trying to feel.
2: The vibe of the song and just kind of like and it sounds like he's just responding to the lines mm-hmm. which is, which oh, is it's very... just funny it's
0: like ringo which song did you try to be technical on i didn't hear which song was
3: that that you ever i've never heard you do <laughs> it's just <laughs> funny that you would say that i would say my favorite musical part is uh the piano like the way the way it kind of just is in and out of the whole song and specifically in paul's part just the just a boom 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 ba na like
2: Yeah, well that part is super bouncy. I mean like yeah. the, what they're doing in that part almost sounds like a train mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. bit, like a chucka-chuck. Well, yeah, because it starts
0: the, out just bump, boom, 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 boom. Oh, I have a question. Was that yes. phrase a phrase before this song was or did the song come of the phrase? Or did the phrase come from the
2: song? The the original title of the song was I think In a Life. In the life of dot dot dot. Oh yeah, in the life of dot dot
3: dot. Let, what, let so, but I but I <laughs> think this I think they made up this phrase. I mean, I, I've never heard it in any other. I mean, place. I've heard people like you know the day in the life, but
0: I, I think it, it may have been an older phrase than that. I feel like I don't know. It I didn't know feels if it was like,
2: like a, it feels like a day in the life was probably said before this. You know, in, in some in some fashion. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But yeah, there you go. I'll tell you what I like to do. Uh like to turn me on every day every day of my life. Yeah, I am going to turn you on turn because on. it's it's vibe, it, it's vibe time, time, baby. And uh, oh it's time for you to turn on in three. Oh,
0: I got to get my vibe. Hold on one second.
2: Two. <laughs> I'm
0: not doing I'm not debasing myself anymore. Defiling myself.
2: We, we, we want a 90 piece vibrators <laughs> orchestra. Right. Let me call Donovan. Uh. Do a drive by. Sounds more like an electric razor. Uh, Jonathan, when do you want to hear the song?
0: I never, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, it, that's what's so weird about it. it. These songs are so big and stuff that like, it'd be cool like getting on an airplane. It, 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 that's the point though, is that like, it, it didn't have to be anything special. So it's another one of those songs that where whenever it comes on, you're literally just a day in your life. And it's just, maybe you have some insights because of the poignancy and the, you know, all the intention and, and emotion in it that it adds. It makes your random regular old day feel like a part of your overall limited time span on earth. I mean, I think that's the thing is like everything is, it makes everything feel important, even though nothing, none of it's exactly individually important.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like frames uh, of a film. Wow. How profound, Jonathan. Uh, the profundity of your <laughs> Profund- well, Profundity. Twice, twice. too profundity. Uh, I, I twice, twice, too profundity. I'm
0: glad we're saying profundity more than cocksucker. We were saying cocksucker way too much. Um, Neil,
2: what, when do you want to hear the song?
3: um well i want to hear it just uh, alone headphones i would prefer i'd love to at some point in my life hear an original pressing of the vinyl like in just on a nice record player it's where headphones. you
2: can go to sleep and wake up and it'll be like never do any other way never do any yeah. other
3: way uh, <laughs>
2: okay, good lord um no so yeah don't just not will this podcast with fluffhead.
3: oh come on give me a break <laughs> don't take yourself so seriously and it's it's not a jukebox song. It's not a party song. It's not it's not something you put on. I I wouldn't even put this on on a road trip unless we're like kind of just in a weird kind of mood. Um, it's just it's just such more of an experience. It's it, and it's not much. It's more of a. You're, it's meant to s- sit and listen. It's not a pop song. It's not a. It's not most of the Beatles kind of real catchy
2: stuff. It's it's an experience. You know, I want to listen to this uh, a day in my life. But no, I mean, what I, choice do you have? Sitting with a thirty-eight on the couch. <laughs> it
0: has to be a day in your
2: life. When else are you gonna listen to it? It could be a night in my life. Um, <laughs> Too motherfucker. Well played. I will shut the fuck up now. That was good. Um, I I obviously want to hear this when I want to contemplate life. Yeah, it's more of like a, a sunset, like maybe maybe sitting on a hill and being like, hmm. Or even late morning. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> the boy, I, th- I think that, again with this song, the whole thing is. All these little not these things that seem like nothing are your life. So I, don't, I think that's the it's, a, it's a, the, the whole thing feels like an insight
2: more than a song. Even, you know, what else it feels like feels like a trip. And that, my friends, is when we slide under the influence. J- Jonathan, what do you think this song was influenced by? Influence moving forward. Suggestions of songs to listen to if you like this. Shoot
0: um for things that influenced it i would say stuff probably the romantic com- composers like the claire de lune that it has that kind of mysticism moving forward i would say stuff like uh, you know duke ellington where he was taking songs and and and, and making them orchestral and expanding them into new mm-hmm. very sophisticated Dimensions and stuff like that And then in terms of And maybe even like John Cage or somebody Who just once again Threw everything Like yeah. like an alternative composer Where it's almost just like Found art Like we're gonna Bang on pots and pans And it's gonna fit right Absolutely And it, then it, um, leading From that I would say I mean obviously Pink Floyd Yeah Obviously Radiohead And Unfortunately sometimes Matthew McConaughey when he tries to get deep but he doesn't really he doesn't have the melody to make it compelling. He's just like meandering on about something or other at his Oscar speech. I think it probably influenced him a bit. I love to turn
2: you on. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right, all right, all right. Neil.
3: Um, well, Jonathan, you touched on it with the classical. Like I think just avant garde classical music um definitely influenced the production of the song. Um just newspapers in general. Um, I think <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like newspapers, generally not this specific like you know magazine. Not sex.
2: the Daily Mail. We're talking about the <laughs> Louisville Courier, the New- Pontiac News,
3: and even musicals. I think you could picture oh, yeah, like uh-huh. uh, like a play, like with John doing his part, and then like someone coming on stage and Paul like Paul bouncing on <laughs> stage. Woke up, and I, I mentioned at the Moody Blues. It was kind of the same time. I feel like this kind of like creativity and. Kind of dark, beautiful um, art-inspired ins- uh, um, Monty Python, in a way. Uh, I mean, just... Actually,
0: it literally inspired, because uh, George Harrison financed part of one of the Monty P- I think maybe even Holy Grail, he gave him like 200 grand or something, so it definitely yeah. <laughs> influenced the Monty Python.
3: Yeah, and, ju- and just you know the way comedy, you, you take life and then you, you flip it, and you know you, you kind of find the funny parts. You work it and reverse
2: it. You put your oh. game down, flip it, and reverse it.
3: Oh my God like i think this song has inspired a lot of bands and musicians to like be ambitious and do that kind of stuff and 90 percent of the time it's not going to go well but i think in the end it's a net gain kind of creatively oh, because absolutely yeah yeah it just opened up what you can do with you know a rock band because this isn't necessarily rock but It's still in that genre and like kind of just what you can do with an album. And just real quick, what's so impressive about this is just back then you had to hire a 40 piece fucking orchestra. I mean, now you can kind of simulate it and, you know, there's a bunch of good synth stuff that'll get you 90% there. But just the fact that they fucking had a 40-piece orchestra and wanted a
2: 90-piece. I mean, I would say, like, I, I did have the newspaper as one of the influenced by it. I would say, you know, this, John and Paul, I mean, this is a perfect, they influenced each other. And I would say even, you know, Gershwin, like Rhapsody in Blue uh, would be oh, something yeah, I mean,
0: Aaron that... Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and Copland.
2: Yeah, good. Like you said, I mean, they in- influenced... You know, every band moving forward. I would say ELO specifically, like, with the yep. with bringing that stuff in. Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, absolutely. He's Bohemian Rhapsody a, a even, I would think, this song influenced heavily. Yep. David Byrne, Beck, artists Bowie, like that. I didn't think about Bowie. Well, um. Bowie uses, I read the news today, oh boy, in Young Americans. So... Yep. It's a little, little, little. Holden, do you think
0: he was quoting that or do you think he also read the news that
2: day? Oh, I, I don't know. Well, oh boy. Why don't we uh, slide under the covers and talk about that? <laughs> oh, no. that's Oh, not. boy.
0: <laughs> slide under the covers. Uh,
2: Jonathan, how many covers did you listen to? None. Neil, <laughs> how many covers?
3: I listened to a few. Um, I was most impressed by Jeff Beck's instrumental version of this. Anyone listen to that? I did not listen to that. Oh my God. Like it's the first time I've heard about Jeff Beck my whole life. And I've heard, I've always heard so much about Jeff Beck, Jeff (laughs) Beck, but I've never really got it, man. But when I listen to this, I fucking got it. It, It's so cool. Like he plays all the vocal melodies and he's, he's playing it so vocally with his guitar and, does the whole thing and Jonathan, your old pal Frankenstein, uh, Neil Young did a nice Hello, was version Winter? of this. <laughs> um, oh. um, Frankenstein, your old pal Frankenstein, <laughs> hey, you're my best friend. Uh. No, he did it at Glastonbury uh, years ago. Brought out Paul um, and did it well, man. Like Neil Young, just hearing his voice with a little like echo, just singing those lyrics. He he was definitely pulling it off. Then he brings out Paul for the Paul part and he proceeds to he, bogart the microphone. <laughs> and like, Paul's up there, but you can't even hear him. It's like, fucking Neil, just let Paul sing this he part. He brought
2: Paul from the pulpit. And through, then Paul just starts Paul just
3: clapping and pointing at Neil, like, yeah, get it, buddy. Um, <laughs> he's um, invite a beetle stomping. on stage and
0: then not let him sing. That's what, like, you um, do that.
3: And then just two more quick ones Paul McCartney doing it solo. It's great to hear him sing it front to back. And the way he sings. And just keeps Lennon alive by, like, singing some of his songs. And um, Chris Cornell did a great just solo acoustic version of the whole song. At the great. Royal
2: Albert Hall. Nice. Yeah, that's how I closed the show. Sorry. There's another great instrumental by a guy, Wes Montgomery. It's it's jazzy. I, that is a fantastic version of the song. There's a version by Gabor Zabo and the California Dreamers. Pretty which, cool. It's very Southern California, like, well, sunny, birdsy. Yeah, it, yeah,
3: it sounds like uh, California dreaming. It, it sounds yes. like... Yeah. Oh, fucking the um, Beach Boys. Remember, mentioned the Beach Boys
0: Talk about influence. Like, Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pet, sounds? pet sounds? Obviously pet sounds. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. There, uh, As Neil said, there's always a, a bluegrass something. There's Green Sky Bluegrass. Did <laughs> mm-hmm. a version. Mm-hmm. It's actually not terrible. It's a live version. As far as bluegrass versions go of songs that I've heard that we've done, this is one of the better ones.
0: But is it cool because it's a novelty, or is it cool because it's like actually cool? Like, That's a good question.
2: Uh, I've listened to a lot of bluegrass versions of covers of, of the songs that we've talked about, and most of them are awful. And yeah. this is not bad. So,
3: but yeah, it is funny. There's a bluegrass version of every.
2: Song. Yeah, and the band is always called something bluegrass. And then there's one other band called The Fall, which is not very good. And uh, I will, I, it's a hard pass. Do you think
0: any of the covers are legitimately worth the shit?
2: Oh, the West Montgomery one is cool. It, it's a jazz version. I can see that, yeah. of that. No, the Jeff Beck one. I'm telling you.
3: And just to tack on to what you said, West Montgomery does a lot of Beatles covers, and they're all great. Yeah. Like he has a great Eleanor Rigby, um, and a and a couple. I think he probably did at least ten to fifteen Beatles songs that are just which jazz-y makes sense because really let the melody in
0: shine. jazz. They play the melody and then they improvise. And these, they, what better melodies mm-hmm. to play than than Beatles melodies? Um,
2: Jonathan, yes, how does the shoe fit?
0: How does the shoe fit? I don't think you get an option in like if the shoe fits this shoe fits like a white baby shoe that you didn't pick out. Everybody gets one. It's just where you start off in life. You don't get to criticize it. It's just figured out from here, but like it's now part of the way you music happens in the 20th century.
2: So, a just a a, a white baby shoe or like a white baby shoe? Or has
3: it been bronzed yet? Is there, no, Babies of no, no, all like, complexions wear white
0: baby okay. shoes.
2: The shoes okay, themselves gotcha. are white. They're not shoes just, of color. I, when, you, when you said that, it sounded like a white baby's shoe.
0: Well, it could be a shoe for a white baby, but it's still going to be the same white <laughs> shoe that every other baby's
2: wearing. Okay. Glad to clear, clear that up. Jonathan is no longer canceled. Neil.
3: Um, yes, it, it obviously fits and it fits like a, a pair of shoes you forgot about, like an old pair of work shoes that like something you wear every day that were very functional and just, you know, a a, a part of your life, a part of your everyday life.
1: Yeah, I would, I would,
2: I, I actually wrote down whatever shoe, whatever shoe I'm wearing every day. So what right now would would be my,
0: Oh, actually that's pretty good. That's good.
2: Yeah. It's a, yeah. A, that's what it means. Son Johnny, I think you
0: got lucky though. I don't think I think I found the meaning in your point. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, didn't you didn't point it out did that one
2: this week, I was working out of Malibu a lot, so I was wearing a blue pair of uh, Toms that I can slip on and off really easily. So and so that is correlates like to a, the what that that's what I'm wearing every day this week. So that's that's the for example. Are you saying it doesn't matter what shoe you're right doing?
0: It matters what you're doing in your life and where you're going. Then I uh-huh. would agree
2: exactly. Johnson. I would say actually, exactly. in retrospect,
0: I would say it fits like one of those platform disco shoes with the goldfish in the hill where it's like this is no one's ever seen anything like this before and i don't uh-huh. think we need to see it again per se but it's crazy they did that
2: wait <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I love it and you know what else i love i love the fact that we have done 50 of these and we want to thank everyone for listening each other also. and hope yeah well yeah yes, each other. Thank, we, you Josh. yes thank you congratulations fellas. We, we influence each other every day and um and every week and, and on that note we are going to play a cover of the Beatles A Day in the Life
1: I read the news today oh boy about a lucky man And though the news was rather sad Well, I just had to laugh I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood and stared They'd seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was from the house of love I saw a film today, oh boy The English Army had just won the war, a crowd of people turned away, but I just had to look, having read the book.
3: Found my coat and grabbed my hat, made the bus in seconds flat. Found my way upstairs and had a smoke. Somebody spoke and I went
1: into it. A-
2: What's up? Yeah. Hold on. All right. The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond, Jonathan Horton, and Neil Marsh. Thank you for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscri- Please rate and subscribe on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, or wherever you uh, listen to your pods. If you have a question for the ask, <laughs> Please submit via our Twitter or Instagram handle, at podgaberock, or our email address, what at podgaberock. People should know our asshole
0: is wide open. It's our just. Our asshole is wide open and waiting for There for, for anything your that wants to come inside.
2: Oh, boy. <laughs>
3: you just ruined
0: this Next whole week. thing,
2: Jonathan. <laughs> know this the ass hole will never be ruined. And next week is Jonathan's week. So, Jonathan, what will we be discussing?
0: Next week, we are going to do the 1967 tune, People Are Strange, from the Doors album, Strange Days. I'm Casey Kasem, and go fuck yourself.
1: Can't wait!